One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. It's your host, Scott Needham. I am an Amazon seller first, been doing it for 10 years, and we do this podcast for almost four years now. And what's crazy is I just keep learning new things. And when I find something exciting out there, you know, I got to bring it on the podcast. The markets change, they go up and down. And, you know, where it's official, we could pretty much call the last phase just like done. We'll go into that with our guest today. I've got Chris. You may have, if you've listened to every episode, he's been on before, but he's got a new venture, super interesting called South Call. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you uh, having me on again, man. Yeah. Well, you know, when you made an interesting pivot where like you're offering a service that no one else, I've never heard of anyone doing exactly the direction that you're going and knowing where you've been in terms of, you know, seeing, you know, dozens, hundreds of transactions. Yeah. For on the global side for the past five years, we're, we reached close to about, I think somewhere around the 40, 40 to 50 mark over the past five years. So. Yeah, that is quite a lot. If you've ever been a part of one, you know that it's a tremendous amount of work to get to a finish line Mm -hmm. and it's stressful, (laughs) but it is like a story. So if you are new to the space, you know that in 2020, 2021, and even into last year, a lot of Amazon businesses were, were selling. You know, what people had been building, the aggregators, they came in, bought them, but that's really changed in the last year. We've seen mm-hmm. people like Thrasio do layoffs and really kind of halt their M&A. What part of the story am I missing or how would you classify the net, what we've just done? From a high level, you nailed it. I mean, we were pre-aggregator, just like you. So, you know, the space looked very different in 2018 and 2019. The run-up of, of venture capital inside of the space was fast and furious. And like typical venture, you know, they were looking for a very very fast turnaround, you know, it wasn't necessarily trying to be patient at all. And, you know, in the process, what you had was a a thesis, you had a business model that was executed by starting with Thrasio. And then of course, if you really, really want to go back old school, what was it? 101 Commerce, I think was really the first, but then you've got Thrasio that came on the scene and really raised a lot of cash, bought up these businesses. And then really what you had thereafter was what I would just consider just a lot of carbon copies. But, you know, real talent running these businesses. And I think, as we all know, and it's really just kind of at this point, I think beating a dead horse, but operationally, they found that they can't arbitrage the multiple. They've got to really operate these companies, especially post-COVID bubble. And I think that's where we're feeling that correction right now, right? We're feeling the result of that correction. And, you know, as an Amazon seller, well, good news is you're always in the stands (laughs) observing the spectacle whether it's a, a run-up or a run-down of this type of bull run that we saw. So where are we headed now? I mean, the healthy are going to survive. There are, I was spoke actually to, I spoke to an aggregator, quote-unquote, that's really turned themselves into a private equity fund, to be blunt. And what do I mean by that? I mean that they are treating their investments less as let's operate them in-house and more as they are independent companies as part of our portfolio. They're a portfolio business of ours. And I think you're going to see a little bit more of that moving forward because that has always been a tried and true successful model. So. Yeah. It's interesting watching, you know, how things evolve, you know, they realize it's a tough business and it takes the right specific knowledge and the right leverage to really take advantage 
of Amazon. But like right now, it's a great time for building. And you see a lot Agreed. of people like they're like, well, I'm not going to exit right now. You know, the values are so low. Like, so I've just got to like build so that I am ready. Or you can get to a size where like in any market condition, you can do really well. That kind of leads to, you know, I see where you've been thinking and kind of have mm -hmm. made a really interesting change. So before you were just like consulting and helping people to get through these acquisitions, whereas now you're bringing a lot more tools. You're bringing uh, capital and ready to invest in brand. After you invest, join them and bring like a lot of operational yeah. skills. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what we saw, you know, over the past two years. And if you read any of our research and you heard us on podcast and I want to apologize in reverse because I know I sounded like in some ways a negative Nancy for a lot of podcasts that I did over the past couple of years, just because we saw it coming, you know, nothing is new under the sun markets tend to kind of cycle. And so when you see such a strong venture run up, you're going to see a run down. I don't want to use the term too good to be true, but kind of right. Like we knew the multiples were silly. I mean, we were firing off multiples for our clients that frankly speaking, it felt a little silly even trying to be braggadocious about it because honestly, it was a lot like just crypto. That's really what it felt like. There was no asset principles backing these multiples. Like you see in kind of like, if you look at the past decade of consumer products, like true CPG, middle market CPG, they've ranged on average between seven to 14. And there's a really strong reason why. And then you can get granular and go into category and you could say, well, pet, this is exactly why those multiples have held strong here, here, and here. And during this bull run, it was just, okay, the dam's going to give at some point. Well, kind of thinking through that, we were like, okay, well, what does the world really look like? And we're not Notre Dame or anything, but we were just kind of thinking through what could the world look like? Well, we knew that the COVID pop happened, right? We all felt it. We all saw it. We were all observing this to be blunt in real time because we were following McKinsey's, you know, report on, you know, we just fast forward e-commerce by 10 years. All of us were like, hmm, this could be really interesting if this really remains true. And we saw the COVID pop and we realized, okay, look, these sellers are going to revert back to the mean of having a hard time growing their business like they did back in 2019. Right. It was not easy. Like you had so many companies, Scott, and you know this, like how many companies have you spoken to that was like, yeah, 2019, I was doing like 3 million and I was, man, that was awesome. But they like jumped to 20 million in like a year and a half. We saw a lot of that. I mean, when we were looking at companies, we saw a lot of very strong. Fast it wasn't just that. It was also like name your price for a product. It's going to sell. There was no pressure around just making sure you have a very competitive product. It was, you know, the market just was taken, whatever buyers were just buying anything. They were buying anything. And then also you had, I mean, you opened up a floodgate. You, you put everybody in their homes. You opened up a massive floodgate. And in the process, what happened was every enterprise brand that didn't take digital marketing seriously, took it seriously, but then you had a yeah. COVID pop. So you had all this new cost to acquire the consumer run. Yeah towards Amazon and all these acquisition channels, right? And then you had demand start to really kind of deteriorate, you know, right? You know, if I could design the world, I would probably choose us to do another uh, pandemic where we all like, except for without the disease. When you were talking and telling your story, I just like loved for like a month, like no one's on the streets, no one's getting out there. Air quality in 
my home city was getting better. There were some good things about this like e-commerce. There was upside. There was upside in, in telling everybody to chill in their homes for a little bit, right? I bet, you know, e-commerce just kept on growing and replaces stores. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of side benefits. So that's why I'm choosing to look positive on the industry that, you know, that keep dedicating more and more time to. To your point about like, you know, grow. And now we're kind of back to like, you know, things, gains have to be won by, you know, having like a product market fit, you know, a product that works, that people want, and you can deliver to them at scale. But sometimes, you know, sellers, they struggle with capital. Honestly, like it's probably a monthly discussion for my Amazon businesses of like, you know, if only we had more capital, like inventory wouldn't be an issue. That's right. We hear that a lot. I mean, the two biggest bullet points we hear, you know, just talking to sellers just in general are, hey, I'm looking for more strategic resources. Well, I'm just looking for money. I'm looking for cash to your point, you know, working capital, go to work in the form of inventory. And they're also looking for someone to come along and say, hey, help me figure this thing out. Because like I was saying before, you know, everything's kind of reverting back to the mean. And what is reverting back to the mean look like in this particular space? Well, it's getting more expensive to acquire the consumer, which is forcing business owners to be really good at what they do. And what does that really look like for a consumer products company? Well, it comes in many forms, but they all tend to kind of take the shape of one form. You're a consumer products company. You have got to be very good when it comes to product. Because at the end of the day, I've known this being an operator inside of CPG, inside of the baby and toy space, product is king, man, period. There's no other way to slice it or dice it. Product is king. You want a sustainable brand, you got to focus on your product. You got to focus on your acquisition channels, on how you're acquiring the consumer. You got to focus on how do you get the second purchase from the consumer. These are all things that are not easy to do. And when you had this period of time where, to your point, Scott, it felt like almost anything you threw against the wall, you would have a consumer buying it. It didn't matter. Some of these principles that build healthy, sustainable brands, they just didn't apply for this time period. But they now apply more than ever. I don't want to be negative Nancy here, and I won't be, but it's just true. Like, not everyone is meant to succeed in consumer products, man. I mean, when you look at the fail rate of small business over the past decades, it's high for a reason. Not everyone is meant to succeed. It's a hard go. It's a hard go at this. It really is to be a sustainable brand. It's not easy. And I think everyone just needs to take a breath and realize that. (laughs) I think a lot about this. How do you succeed on Amazon without being lucky? And you could tease that out and like, you know, you have to learn how to build, you have to learn how to sell and you just need specific knowledge. Like what if you're in baby or pet, great categories for having specific knowledge. It's like really know a subcategory and you're like, people really would want is this. Mm -hmm. And you can use any sort of like product research tool or that. Those aren't going to give you the uh, moving the industry forward in a sense that like, you know, what product people want. Well, it's also, it's providing a solution. I mean, when you're talking about those categories, which happen to be some of the best categories, by the way, from just a like sell your business perspective, they come with consumers who are extremely passionate. I'm not passionate about my batteries, man. Give me a Kroger private label. Like I don't care. Right. Like, but when it comes to my kid, when it comes to my dog, or even now, by the way, cats are getting just as much love as dogs now. Like when it comes to my pet or my kid, yeah, I'm looking for solution. I'm looking for something that's going to help their life and also help my life, right? I mean, I've got a eight month old and my wife is just 
the, the ideal consumer. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people could just like study her, whatever decisions she makes, they should learn from because like what she trusts and you know, the decisions that she makes, we've gone through several baby monitors and like there was one that just like did this one thing a little bit better, didn't matter. She'll recommend it to everyone. Like absolutely. what better way to build a brand and, and get a repeat customer? You know, it's funny yeah. you say that, Scott, just about your wife telling everybody, because we actually coined a term inside of the baby space. I didn't coin it, just in general. We called it word of mom, not word of mouth. It was word of mom. Yeah. And if you can win the consumer, if you can win that word of mom, man, you've got something on your hands. Because let me tell you something. There is nobody more passionate than a caregiver parent or a, a pet owner. Nobody. Yep. They are some passionate, stinking people, man. They will preach for you. They will go on the street corners and they will preach for you. Back to what we were saying. I mean, look, in general, and I think you are right. I think you are very right. The way that you should be thinking about, you know, if I'm going to stay an Amazon-centric brand, if I'm not going to go on omni-channel, and I really just want to focus my attention just on Amazon, I think you nailed it. That's actually a really great way of saying it. How can I sell by being smart, not lucky? That's a perfect way of putting it. I don't think you win uh, unless you get you know, you specialize, you really understand like, okay, you know, there's this, what are the 10 other most influential people in this specific space? What do they know and think? And can I win them over? I really like seeing businesses that specialize and kind of know who their target is and can answer those questions. One thing that I found very interesting about uh, what you're working on, uh, South Call, has a really interesting name. You guys don't just give people capital, but that like you invested them as, a, you know, maybe some sort of a venture, but I don't think you guys are quite venture. No, it's, um, if you don't mind, I can just jump right in and kind of yeah. give a yeah, give a it. good kind of succinct version of what it is. I mean, no, it's not venture. It is very much, we are selective for a reason because we do pour a lot of investment of our time and our energy as well as capital into the company. And it's not just, okay, well, we're going to put together some pretty spreadsheets for you. And then you get on a call with us once a week. You're going to feel like I've got a real SEAL team that just came into my company where the day before it was just me really thinking, really strategizing. And now I've got a full team that's actually thinking about, you know, my business and are passionate about my business just as much as I am. In essence is really what South Call is all about it. Yes, we're going to give you cash, of course. We're going to invest working capital into the business. Very important because you need to overcapitalize the company to give it the resources that it needs to succeed. More importantly, and I think you'll appreciate this as just a a very astute business owner, we're going to come in and bring years and years of operating experience investment banking experience, finance experience, operations experience, sales and marketing experience. And the good news is, as part of the joint venture, which is our firm global, it's sellers funding, it's a Scala multiply me. The real good news is we've got the answers to the test, man. We know what needs to be done in order to sit, to have a fully optimized transaction, to have the best exit you can possibly have. We know the things that buyers are looking for in real time, by the way. Let's get rid of what we, what everybody was telling sellers. Here's what you need to sell your business in 2021. We know what a strategic is going to look for, a corporate strategic. We know what a 
private equity fund is really going to love about this business. We know what a family office might really enjoy or, or like about this particular asset. So it's about bringing kind of those answers to the table and then guiding the business owner towards like, okay, let's get this done. How long do you think, you know, let's say we've got a brand, you know, they've done a million in revenue and like, just like good, you know, defensibility, a good brand and like things look good. How long do you guys picture that before you jump in and ultimately exit? Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a real convergence there. Because the ultimate exit that any business owner wants to have, and I even just had a conversation with a guy about this today, it's like, I really want to put it in the hands of somebody I can trust that will really grow the company. And, you know, in typical private equity structures, you're going to be able to grow with them. Like they love to give you equity. They love to have you roll equity into the new company. The ideal here is that we're building the company to really sell it towards, you know, sell it to somebody who everything I've just said, a strategic period, someone who just man, they are going to really know what to do with the business. And that that really is just a convergence of, okay, well, you know, where's the company today? What needs to happen to get the company towards that, call it full, every function towards that fully optimized trade. And then we're just tracking how the company is growing more so than just sales. Like how is it professionalizing its product development process? How is it acquiring consumers and building community and brand building? How is it doing that? Supply chain is an asset now. So how are we building out the supply chain in order to be very defendable moving forward? Let's just say, God forbid, or maybe not, another pandemic does happen, right? But God forbid, and then your supply chain is broken again. You've got some yeah. real risk mitigation that's occurring so yeah, I mean, there's, and there's a lot more finer points to this, but keeping it high level, you know, at what point does the business start to really hit these milestones? That's really your answer. That's really mm -hmm. the answer of, okay, it's time to now, the other good news, and at least in South Call, we're starting to have those conversations day one. So it may look like a two-year outline and timeline, excuse me, in terms of when we want to probably sell this business. We're starting to have conversations early, early, early. And letting who we believe would be a really good fit as a buyer, we start just talking about the company with them. We start discussing kind of the points of the business and start getting some folks excited early versus typical process. Scott comes to me. I want to sell my business. Awesome. I got three weeks, four weeks to get it prepped. And then I'm in market. And it's a, just a brand new asset out in market to a lot of people under this model. It could be something lots of people are very familiar with and may already show a lot of attention, knowing that when it comes to market, we're going to bid on this, no question. Well, that's really interesting. You know, I don't know of anyone that's kind of like taken that sort of like long-term, you know, vision and timeline in working with a brand and as you guys invest in these companies. Yeah. So South Call, you've got a pretty sizable team and yeah. I can attest and give my experience where like, you know, I've been an Amazon seller. A lot of my education comes from like this podcast. I bring in really smart people in specific fields and I get asked I a lot. Love it. And not everyone has the, that outlet, but actually, you know, most people know that I built Smart Scout and I, I was thinking Great tool. investment, but and one of the main reasons I was thinking about getting investment was like, well, I also want someone to tell me which direction to go. I think a lot of people that take on investment for whatever, like, deep down inside, they kind of also want 
the confidence of people that know where to take. And yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Because of that, I pay not just between myself, but my team, I, we pay over $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 a month in just uh, consultants. It's important, yeah. man. You want to surround yourself with smart people. If you say you know everything, then you're the dumbest man on earth. And so surrounding yourself with people who have other perspectives, but it's different than other perspectives. It's called just pure unadulterated networking. Like they just know people who, and that's something we do pride ourselves on at South Call is just being extremely resourceful. I can give a great story with one of our investments. We invested in her business and she had tenants. She had the tenants of, wow, this could be really something one day. Interestingly enough, she actually took it out to market and there were a few aggregators who said, oh, this business won't even grow. Um, it's not interesting at all. Well, egg on their face, it actually doubled in a year. And it actually does have very, very good tenants of a brand, sustainable brand. It's got a wonderful narrative. It's got a wonderful story, you know, et cetera. And so with someone like this investment coming in and just providing resources, like for instance, for the product development and professionalizing that process, she's in, in arts and crafts, but specifically almost like kind of borderline toy. We've got two people, one was one of the uh, lead product development guys on the Star Wars line at Hasbro and is now a lead product developer, runs all the product development for a enterprise level baby products company. And the other resource that we have was someone who was actually on the GI Joe team at Hasbro and has worked <laughs> for Disney and et cetera. So, and has done a lot of work inside of toy and is a, is actually somewhat of a product development icon inside of the toy space. Well, what a wonderful resource to put on the business to professionalize that product development process and build out that roadmap. Well, to your point, Scott, she would never have met them on her own. She wouldn't have known they even existed, nor would they even be excited or know that this business could be something they could work on unless you had somebody who can be sticky, who's resourceful and can introduce you to the right resources. I mean, you're someone like that. <laughs> You've been in this space for 10 years. If I had an Amazon business, if I started an Amazon business tomorrow, the first guy I'm calling is you. And I'm going to say, hey, man, help me. I need, you know, A9 help. I need CRO help. Yeah. I need acquisition help. You're going to rattle off and it's not going to be like rattling off like a directory. You're going to be like, hey, my buddy, so-and-so, he's the best. My other friend, so-and-so, she's amazing at this, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, those yeah. networks are super important, man. And sometimes I feel like I'm just a connector. <laughs> and you know right. what? And those are the best. That's the best yeah. people you want to hang around. You know, those are the best. Absolutely. And so to your point, yeah, it's like, that's what you, that's all I know. I'm shutting down the sales gas because I'm really not trying to turn on heavy here, but genuinely that's what you get with something like this business model. You get a team who like, we're going to be great example. One of our investments had a problem with the CPSC. She's very overwhelmed. We jumped in as a team on a weekend and got her the right resources that she needed in order to get through this. And she even just said from a subjective perspective, oh my God, I just am so thankful that you guys were around. Like, I'm just so thankful I had a, I feel like I had a team. And I mean, you know this, dude, you're a small business owner and you have been for a while. Like, it's good to have people around you who care and like actually care just as much as you do. It's a nice benefit. Well, I love what you guys are doing in the space. Uh, you know, South Call's got a interesting, you know, a really beneficial way of helping sellers. How do people get a hold of you? Maybe they got a business that that's ripe. How can they learn more? Yeah, just go to southcall.co, S-O-U-T-H-C-O-L.co. We've got a consultation form on our website. We're eventually going to have a valuation tool on our website. The consultation form, just fill that out if you just want to have a discussion. I mean, 
you know, like I was telling you earlier, Scott, we're very altruistic in the sense of, hey, look, if you just need help or you need a resource or you need somebody, you know, you need a, a connection of some sort that either is in the Amazon space, of course, or even just well past the Amazon space, we're always happy to share resources with this community. So yeah, that, that's how to get in touch with us, southcall.co and just fill out that consultation form if you want to talk further. Love it. Well, thanks, Chris, for uh, giving us some of your time. I like hearing, you know, the stories, markets, ups and downs. You've seen on the inside for a lot of that. <laughs> we'll finish there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned. Next week, more good episodes. Make sure you subscribe so that you can become one of the smartest Amazon sellers and succeed not by luck. We'll leave you with that. Okay, thanks, everyone. One, two, three. Yeah!